Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Another Dolphins Podcast. It is Thursday. That means I am joined by my good friend, Cat. You can find him on Twitter, on X, at BrianCatNFL. Today is a big day. We are turning the page. We are looking at week eight as the Miami Dolphins are going for round two against the New England Patriots. But before I get into all that, I got to stop ranting and welcoming Kat. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. I mean, uh, you know, tough loss this past Sunday night, but come back home to Miami and big divisional game. And uh, yeah, the, the Dolphins have really had the Patriots lately, and let's let's hope that continues. We did an airing of grievances earlier just to kind of get all, express all our ref frustration, different things like that um, earlier this week. Would you like a couple minutes just to kind of rant about the refs or uh, are you already digested it over it and you turn to the page? No, I haven't digested it. I'm still angry about that. <laughs> um, but look, I I don't like being that guy that, that blames refs. I, I don't, but uh, I have to look at that game and say, you know, you look at the second half, the Dolphins had four drives. On the first drive, the Dolphins are driving down the field. Tyreek Hill catches a pass, gets a first down, and it's called back on a hold by Julian Hill. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's second and 19. The next drive, you've got the uh, pass inter- I I think it was the – yeah, the, the next drive, you've got the Tyreek Hill drop and then the Cedric Wilson face mask PI that isn't called. So the Dolphins lose the ball on that. And then the drive after that, you've got the two interception where Zach Cunningham is bear hugging Raheem Mostert and the Eagles get the ball back again. So, look, I don't like blaming the refs on it. And I certainly don't like doing it over one or two calls. But when you have drive after drive after drive that this is happening to. Yeah, I I was disgusted by by that. And the Dolphins have have contacted the league about that as well. So, I, I, you know, let's let's hope that these things improve. And frankly, I I look forward to the day that these dimwits are replaced by machines. Do you think the game would have, how different would the game look if the Dolphins had the lead at any point? Do you think they would have had a chance to maybe kind of uh, keep in front of the Eagles, especially an offense that loves to use all four downs to keep kind of converting those first downs and keep the chains moving? Do you think that might've changed the pace a little bit if they could have, you know, got that touchdown on the opening driver there early in the first quarter? If I take the officials out of the equation and the the game was called evenly, then I think you could flip a coin about who would have won. The Eagles still may have won that game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but, you know, it's 
it's 17 to 17 at halftime. And the way I look at it, they had the next three drives taken from them. So if, you know, I, I'm encouraged still that the dolphins went to Philadelphia, who in my opinion is the top three team in the NFL on Sunday night. And I thought they played tough and they played physical in these games in the past where the dolphins haven't won in big games like this, that's always been the problem. Not enough effort, not physical enough. I don't think that was the case here, but it's a shame that they, they still lost because after Buffalo lost early in the day, they really had a golden opportunity. Again, I I don't want to sit here and make excuses, but you know, I look at that Buffalo game a few weeks ago where they did look like that team that wasn't physical, kind of scared to be out there playing Buffalo. Did you, we really learn anything negative about this Dolphins team against the Eagles? Because, you know, a lot of people are bringing up fraud or these teams and contenders. In order for your opinion to change, you need to be able to figure out things about what's happening with this team. I mean, we know that the Dolphins offensive line was going to be a huge issue. We know that they struggle to stop the run. They struggle against mobile quarterbacks. So I'm just curious to get your thoughts on if there could be a huge heel change after a game like this where 14 point game, but we, we could feel it going a little differently. Yeah, certainly. I I don't think a lot changed for me uh, in this year, and it, it's a shame that they lost Isaiah Wynn um, probably for the year. Um, still could come back, but that that's a big loss carrying forward. But no, I, I thought that, I mean, look, I had the Dolphins lose in this game, um, predicted it on your show. 31 to 28 is what I predicted, and by game time, um, after Xavier Howard got hurt, I I made it an eight point loss. Um, so I expected them to lose it because it's such a tough game to win. Um, and now they um, and, and play the Patriots. And then the week after that against the Chiefs, that's the game that you got to have. Because if the Dolphins can take care of business against the Patriots this weekend where they're nine and a half point favorites, go to Germany and beat the Chiefs. Here we here we come back in week 11 after the bye week with a much healthier and number one seed in the AFC. I'd love to get your thoughts. Are the Dolphins going to be looking ahead of the New England Patriots here? This is a team they won against at Gillette, and I know you have a pretty handy stat about when the Miami Dolphins are heavy, heavy favorites. Do you think they are going to be mentally focused to go week by week here, or do you think they might get caught looking ahead maybe in that first quarter where we get something like the Panthers game? Not necessarily 14 points, but maybe New England comes out and can kind of you know slap you in the face a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if the Patriots have the firepower to come out and s- smack you in the face. And, you know, it would have Great to point. be, to me, would it would have to be self-inflicted wounds. You know, there's not, you know, Ramondre Stevenson's averaging 3.1 yards a carry. Um, Mac Jones, minus last week, is having a nightmare season. Um, you know, maybe he turned the page. I have my doubts. A wide receiver, um, you look at receiver, you know, we're going into week eight and Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker each don't have 150 yards on the season. Um, you know, to me, the most dangerous weapon they have is is their is their rookie, um, Pop Douglas, mm-hmm. who got on the field for 37 snaps last week. Um, you know, in week two, he had the the Patriots' longest catch of 14 yards, but fumbled uh, thanks to Bradley Chubb, and they took him out of the game, which was music to my ears at the time. Um, no, but I, you know, they. Th- they just had a big loss to the Eagles here. Now they come at, come home against a division rival. Yeah, you've you've got to come out. You've got to come out tough, and you got to come out firing. And I think they will. 
So Mac Jones's performance uh, in week two, reading this box score is super scary. He threw the ball 42 times. He finished with uh, 200 total yards after being sacked four times for 31 yards. And that includes a situation where, you know, you had Devontae Parker getting targeted eight times, Hunter Henry getting targeted seven, and Mike Kosicki getting targeted six. And, and that goes without mentioning Kedrick Bourne, who led the team with nine. There isn't a lot of firepower there. So Let's start with Miami Dolphins defense because we got some great, great news on Thursday as everyone's starting to get healthy. Xavier Howard returned to practice. We still don't know if Jalen Rams is going to play, but Javon Holland was out there. He's working his way through concussion protocol. This Dolphins defense, I wouldn't even say they're getting a shot in the arm. It's like they're getting bit by a radioactive spider at this point, especially Jalen Phillips getting healthy. How will this defense look different from that first matchup against New England where they forced Mac Jones to throw the ball 42 times and you could basically flip a coin and decide if it's going to be a completion or not? Man, it would be crazy if Jalen Ramsey were activated right before the game. I mean, if that were the case, it's you would have a Dolphins defense that is completely healthy. And for this for this contest here and coming off a week where, yes, they lost to the Eagles, but they they had 17 quarterback hurries on Jalen hurts. And I did not expect the dolphins to, I'm not going to say dominate the Eagles offensive line, but got the better of them. I did not expect that to happen. Um, Lane Johnson, albeit playing hurt allows a sack on Jalen Ramsey for, uh, or excuse me, allows a a sack to Jalen Phillips for the first time since 2020. I mean, so you're starting to see Bradley Chubb play better. Uh, You're starting to see David Long play outstanding over the last couple of weeks. And now Jalen Phillips as well. You combine that with getting Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey on the outside. Now you kick Cater Kohu down to the slot to make it uh, a a dynamic trio there. And Nick Needham also is going to be back. Um, Yeah, it would be, it would be more satisfying to me to see the Dolphins win this game 20 to 10 than maybe seeing them win this game, you know, 48 to, 30 or something like that. I get that. That statement defensive um, win. So I want to, what does someone like David Long do to the defense when he is firing on all cylinders? There were a couple plays where I think he might've overextended and it was, this isn't how it happened, but it kind of felt like he forgot how fast he was, but otherwise I thought he was absolutely awesome. So we've seen Miami have great cornerbacks. We even saw it a couple of years ago with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard when they were healthy. We've seen what a strong pass rush can do. And the dolphins really have that developing. What does having that inside linebacker really do to the group? I mean, I always look at Fred Warner. I see, I feel like the 49ers have always had that middle linebacker and it's just been lacking for the Dolphins for at least like, I want to say the last decade, just that real monster in the middle. Right. I look at day at uh, David Long and, and see what we wanted to get out of Raekwon McMillan for several years. Like yeah. Like Raekwon was a, he was a decent player. He was a decent two down linebacker, but he did not have David Long's suddenness and explosiveness. And I know Long got criticized in the first couple of games, but i that's kind of what I expected. Because, look, when you're an off-ball linebacker in a zone-heavy defense and you're, you're new to that defense, if you're a couple of steps off, I kind of expect that in the first couple of games. But over the last two or three weeks, I mean, he has been uh, – violent he's been sudden i mean and last week against against the eagles uh he he had a fantastic game and he's a big reason why the dolphins ever since week one getting gashed by the chargers and austin eckler why this run defense is averaging about three and a half yards a carry a little bit more than three and a half yards a carry to opposing running backs since week one 
last question I have here about the defense. Uh, there's still the fear factor with Jalen Ramsey. You want to take things slow. You want to make sure he's fully healthy. Uh, we've heard from Mike McDaniel that they don't think they're in a situation where he can suffer a setback. Like he'll just walk out on the field and re-injure his meniscus. Would you want him out there on Sunday against New England if everything looks good? Or would you rather hold him off until Kansas, facing Kansas City and Germany? Personally, I'd rather have him get at least some reps against the Patriots instead of having to take the play and adjust to the dime zone. And then, hey, there's Patrick Mahomes for you. But I'd like to get uh, what, what you think about that. I like your thought on that. and But we both know, too, that if Jalen Ramsey's healthy, he's going to be out there playing every snap. So mm-hmm. he, uh, I, I, I don't think he, he would be on a pitch count. Um, I could be wrong about that. I mean, maybe he comes in and plays some slot a little bit more as opposed to, you know, doing what other starting cornerbacks do and playing every single snap. But mm-hmm. it's exciting that he's he's this close to returning because, you know, n- next week against the Chiefs, that's that's why you that's why you traded for Jalen Ramsey to pair him with Xavier Howard. And look, either way you're going against Patrick Mahomes next week, but in terms of matchups, I mean, the Chiefs don't have a Tyreek Hill anymore. They don't even have a Juju Smith-Schuster anymore. Um, you know, so yeah, it's it's going to be a big, big return when Jalen Ramsey gets back in the lineup. Flipping the coin to the offensive side of the football here, there are a lot of players listed as questionable, including Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Alec Ingold, Connor Williams. The nice thing here is all of them returned to practice on Thursday. Tyreek Hill even came out and said, I'm good. I'm playing on Sunday. No problems there. The Dolphins scored 24 points at Gillette. Facing a defense that had Matthew Judon and a very, very strong uh, rookie cornerback. Gonzalez is the last name, but the first name's slipping my head right now. Yeah, Christian uh, Gonzalez, uh, that's to me the biggest difference in this game compared to week two is, look, Christian Gonzalez, even though he's he's a rookie and he's, you know, had up and down moments before he got hurt, uh, mostly up, um, he was able to uh, – killed a five catches for 40 yards and had an interception. I mean, that was huge. Now, the other side of that, too, is that uh, the Patriots didn't have Jonathan Jones, who has given mm-hmm. the Dolphins some trouble over the last couple of years, a cornerback, very fast cornerback. They didn't have Jack Jones um, in that first one either. Both of those are going players will be playing in this game. And even though speed wise, nobody can run with Hill and Waddle, the Patriots have come the closest to being able to match up to that speed. And they also get, get JC Jackson back. So the dolphins get to face him again. Um, Cause he was traded from the chargers. They lit him up mm-hmm. in week one, but I've watched the last two games of him. He, he's already looking better back in a Patriots okay. uniform. So between Jackson uh, and the two Joneses, it's a pretty decent trio, but obviously the dolphins still have the advantage. So, yeah, you mentioned it. Tyree Kill, he only caught five of nine targets in week two. And Tyree Kill, I wouldn't even say he struggled. He just didn't have the same production last year against the Patriots. But someone who stuck out in all these performances, Jalen Waddell, he caught four of six targets in week two for 86 yards. He had a long of 32. How does Miami do such a great job at even when Tyree Kill is not putting up the 130 yards where it used to per game. They still can use him to make sure that, hey, you take away Tyree Kill, we have Tyree Kill 2.0 and Jalen Waddle. I mean, one of my favorite plays in recent memory is that fourth down uh, touchdown pass to uh, Jalen Waddle against the Patriots uh, when they played at Hard Rock last season. Right, and the really special thing about Tyree Kill is he can be a decoy 
and the number one receiver in the league at the same time. And <laughs> where, because they use him in motion and, and just him f- you being used in motion and, and flying off the line of scrimmage, even if the ball's not going to him, it just, it interrupts everything for the other team. So that's, He's coming off his worst game. I think he's going to be very motivated to come out and, and make a statement here against the Patriots. But I'm looking for better play from Jalen Waddle. Like he hasn't been he hasn't been terrible this year, but it seems like ever since that concussion in week two against the Patriots, he he hasn't quite been as he hasn't been quite as good. Um and last week, as much as about the officials and taking opportunities away from the Dolphins in the second quarter. I look back at that play and Jalen Waddle runs the wrong route and by running the wrong route and not running a post to the middle of the field, as opposed, instead of doing that, he runs um, toward the back right part of the end zone where Raheem Mostert is by doing that. He brings Darius Slay over and Slay never should have been there in the first place. It, it was designed to be a jump ball uh, to Raheem Mostert in man coverage. And we've seen Raheem Mostert go up twice this year and climb the ladder and win, get that catch in traffic. But Jalen Waddle, I'm hoping that he, he has a six catch 120 yard game here because he, he needs to get back into the fold and, and show that he's that 1300 yard young elite receiver. How confident are you that uh, Waddle ran the wrong route? I think Mike McDaniel came out and said that wasn't the case, which again, he could just be defending Waddle simply put, uh, but that Ty- or the Waddle reception that brought Miami within within the five yard line, when it was that that post to the outside, what I thought was interesting that Raheem Mostert was actually standing right there too, uh, behind Waddle. So it kind of seems like this isn't something new, or this is kind of I wouldn't even call it a trend, but I, I think it it's happening a little more than I would feel that it'd be a mistake. Does that make sense? Yeah, I on that play, one of two things had to have happened. Either Mike McDaniel drew up a uncharacteristically terrible play or he's just, you know, doesn't want to rub it in the face of Jalen Waddle. I tend mm-hmm. to think it's the latter. Um, so because it, it just, it just, you, you just look at the all 22 and you look at the design of the play. It doesn't make sense for them to both be in the same area together. That's fair. That's very fair. We are less than a week away from Halloween and we have to talk about something very scary here. And that's the fact that even if Connor Williams does start at center, he's listed as questionable. On the Miami Dolphins roster, the starting left guard, Liam Eikenberg. Is left guard a position that can just have an entire offense just implode on itself? Can this be the domino that kind of knocks over this entire offense if it's Liam Eikenberg in there? No, I don't think it I don't think it will. I mean, and really the measuring stick was against the Eagles that look, the Eagles defensive line clearly got the better of the Dolphins offensive line and look at that last drive when two is they they clearly got pushed around and you know when you've got Lester Cotton a left guard coming off the bench cold and you've got Liam Eikenberg at center against arguably well not arguably in my opinion the best interior defensive line in the league that's going to be bad news but at least they showed they could move the ball uh, mm-hmm. despite those things. And I don't think you're going to have the same challenges with the Patriots here. One matchup that does potentially scare me, though, is, is Christian Barmore on the inside going against the interior of the Dolphins line. I mean, this is, you know, a six foot five, 300 pound, young, long, good pass rushing defensive tackle who looked great last week against Buffalo. And that's something that if, if Christian Barmore can push the interior of the Dolphins line back, 
that's and then they can blitz from the outside. That's something that could be a matchup problem for the Dolphins. But otherwise, no, I think I think there's enough motion to the outside for the Dolphins to compensate for um, for the for any poor play on the interior. I honestly, I, I don't want to make excuses. I thought Lester Cotton wasn't bad enough where he doesn't belong on the field. Like, hey, you were so bad, like instantly let's cut you. Where do you stand on who should start at left guard? Because I thought it was really interesting after the game. I mean, Mike McDaniel stood right up for Lester Cotton, said a lot of good things about him, and it made it kind of seem like Cotton's going to be the guy who gets that first shot at left guard. Uh, Robert Jones is another option, and he returned to practice too as well on Thursday. So who would be your lead horse? That's my preference too. It'd be Lester Cotton. And I agree with you that look, he had that penalty where it took the Tyreek Hill touchdown off the board. I, I see what he was trying to do. I mean, I, I, I do. And then on the last drive of the game, he got, he got manhandled, uh, you know, when, when two went down for two sacks, but in between there, if we take those very two important plays out of it, I don't think he played that badly. And going back to the playoff game against the bills, last year I thought it was like we might have something with this guy so I'm and he's a big thick dude too so when you're playing in an offense where you're only where your main responsibility is to block for literally two seconds you know I I think the Dolphins are going to be are going to be fine at that spot uh, even though Isaiah Wynn was a big loss Um, but to, to answer your question yeah Lester Cotton would be my choice Otherwise, if Robert Jones is ready, he's my favorite of them, but he may not be ready just coming off coming off the injury. And Liam Meikenberg would be third. And then you also factor into it, too. Liam Meikenberg's the backup center. So I don't want the Dolphins to get into a spot where, okay, in the middle of the game, now they're having to overhaul two positions. How do you feel about uh, players switching positions? Because I'd be on, in the camp of, hey, Liam Meikenberg has been – fine he's a backup center that's fine I'd leave him there I wouldn't want to try to mess with it and have him go back to left guard and I like your point there is no other center on the roster where Liam Eikenberg would have to shuffle over so I think I'd be kind of you know content just having him be the backup center and knowing hey it won't be a total train wreck trying to move around all these different places if there are more injuries down the road right amen to that and I'll tell you after so many years with Adam Gaze and Joe Philbin and Brian Phil and Brian Flores valuing everything except an offensive lineman staying in one position and doing a good job, I'm 100% with you. It's like versatility was the king for every coach the Dolphins had over the last decade. It's like, well, okay, he can play two positions, but he sucks at when he sucks at right guard. So who cares? So <laughs> I'm with you on that. I, you know, look, Eichenberg got thrown around against the bills um he would he then had a a good a good game against uh, the uh, the panthers where he you know he went up against shy tuttle not not imposing competition then this past week against the eagles he, he he wasn't awful but he still didn't get the better of that matchup so yeah keep eichenberg at center um because look if connor williams does re-aggravate that groin at least you get somebody back in there who is you know who's gotten his feet wet over the last couple of weeks. Do you feel like the Dolphins, I, I like that you brought up the past regimes. Um, do you feel like the Dolphins are doing a better job at uh, bringing in veteran backups on the offensive line? Because I'm used to being like, you know, a second or a third rounder going in there right away. But I mean, uh, 
Lester Cotton's been in the league since uh, 2019. Keon Smith, I think, the backup right tackle, he's been around for a little bit. Kendall Lamb has been awesome, and he's been in the NFL for a decade. It seems a little different, like they're a little more prepared than saying, hey, Jesse Davis is our backup at four positions, and it's just going to be that way uh, because we drafted him. Yes, and really it's the scheme that just takes a lot of pressure off the Mm -hmm. offensive lineman too. I mean, look, I mean, Kendall Lamb is, is... is a find and he's a, he's a perfect fit in this offense. And that's, that's part of it. You know, he's been also, he's been with what nine teams in his NFL career, you know, so good for him that he came in and hopefully he gets a nice payday at 32. Now. Um, yeah, I mean, you take a look at previous regimes and you see the Tyson Claybos and the Darren colleges and those types of guys who not only, didn't have the talent level at that point in their career, but they were, they were, they were a great scheme fit and they were protecting a quarterback that really had to be protected for longer than two seconds, like Tua is now. So all those things come together, but, you know, getting Connor Williams back is the most important thing uh, because that stabilizes the entire middle of the Dolphins offensive line. And then Teron Armstead is eligible to come back against the chiefs. I don't think he'll quite be back then, but, um, you know, when he gets back, this is a guy that can roll out of bed and be a top three tackle. So, yeah, I'm, I, I think the Dolphins are going to be fine along their offensive line. Last question I have here about the offense, the rushing attack. Really struggled against the Eagles there, and rightfully so with that defensive line. Week two, it was really all Raheem Mostert. He had 18 carries for 121 yards, uh, averaging nearly seven yards per carry. Salvan Ahmed had three carries for 13 yards, something that uh, – I don't even say it surprised me, but uh, kind of caught my attention about the Eagles game. I mean, Jeff Wilson, Salvan Ahmed, these guys were virtually invisible last week against the Eagles. Now, that could be, like we said, the Eagles defense, but how confident are you about this rushing attack? Which, you know, we love to talk about Tyree Kill and Tua and throwing the football, but the rushing attack does so much for what this team accomplishes. Yes, it does. And they they couldn't get anything going against the Eagles. I mean, when you have negative rushing yards at halftime, that's that's – horrid and then you know even though Ryan Mostert finished with what five yards of carry I really t- they came on one drive the rest of it you know it was pretty bad and I, I thought the Dolphins would struggle to run the ball with three offensive linemen out mm-hmm. and going up against one of the best defenses in terms of run defense in the league I mean it's it's not a big big surprise there so I think they will get back to the running game this week and Raheem Mostert's played phenomenal at home too especially as those opposing defenses on the Miami sideline um, or on, on the opposing team sideline where the sun's beaming down as they start to wilt away as the game goes down. So I, I expect a, I expect a bounce back game here from Raheem Mostert, but also too, I mean, you can't forget as well that the, the Patriots are, are pretty good in run defense. I mean, on the season, 3.54 yards a carry to opposing running backs on 158 carries. So they, they do, they're a lot better at stopping the run than actually getting to the quarterback. Hey, maybe maybe it was that Mike McDaniel scheme that figured it out. They averaged uh, 4.8 yards per carry, but that's definitely not a given. Uh, does just playing this game in Miami just change everything? Does it mean that they're going to cover that 9.5-point spread? Because I go back to the, you know, the Tom Brady years. Uh, the Dolphins had his number at home when the Dolphins were in Miami, uh, but he still dominated the, the Dolphins. Tom Brady still did, and a lot of that came at home. So what does a home field advantage do in a uh, divisional rival uh, situation where you play at both stadiums? Right, yeah. it's they Clearly the Dolphins play much, much better at home, and they typically, like I've said many times here, to the point of almost jinxing it, 
is they play predictably well when they're when they're heavy favorites. And the stat that you you teased earlier in the show that I I'd mentioned a couple of weeks before is that when the Dolphins are favored by four or more points, they haven't lost a game since since 2018. They're 16 and 0. So, uh, and if if you think I'm going to jinx the team, believe me, if they lose to the Patriots as 10 point favorites or nine and a half point favorites, we've got more to talk about than me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, look, I I I think the Dolphins have the matchups in this game. I think they come in angry, and I think. When I when you look, especially if Jalen Ramsey's back, you look at the at the pressure that the Dolphins have brought over the last couple of weeks. It's much better than the pressure they were bringing to Mac Jones in Week Two. So, you know, now the other side of that too is that the Patriots' offensive line is better than it was in Week Two. They've got Michael and Wayne at right tackle now. They've got um, uh, City Sow, a, a guard that stepped in last week and did great for them. Um, Cole Strange is healthier, um, so. Trent Brown, most importantly, is back. So their offensive line's better, but I think this defensive line and pass rush for the Dolphins is playing better than the Patriots' offensive line is for them. So final question. Are they covering that nine and a half? Yes. I'm going to say by half a point. Oh, I like it. So like what you want the defensive 20 to 10? Is that where you want to sit or maybe go 30, 20 just for a little bit of entertainment? Well, let's kick it up. I'll say 23, 13 Dolphins in this. Ooh, then scoring less at home than on the road at Gillette. That's interesting. Yeah, with, with that would require three Jason Sanders field goals or one field goal made and one missed extra point. I think I'm going to go with the, the second one there. But yeah, I. I'm looking for a couple of things here uh, in in this game. I mean, is the Patriots defensively without Christian Gonzalez, without Matt Judon, they're blitzing a lot more. They blitz on 42% of defensive plays for the season, which is second most in the league. They play man coverage quite a lot. They're actually fifth in the NFL in man coverage, how often they play in the league. So, you know, Tua does better against the blitz than than when does better when he's blitzed than when he's not blitzed. But, uh, you know, if, if Christian Barmore for the Patriots can create an inside pass rush and they're able to be creative with their blitzes, maybe they do give some, two of some problems in this game. But I, I see the Dolphins bouncing back here and, and get, getting to six and two. At Brian Cat NFL. Cat, you've said it all, my friend. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thursdays are always so much fun. It's a nice, refreshing twist as we can turn the page up. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. That's all the time we have for another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, good luck.